Thank you. I'm going to be brief this morning, and uh, so you're not going to get your money's worth. Some of you probably will, <coughs> but uh, <laughs> if you just gave a dollar, you'll get your money's worth. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but uh, I want to think for a few minutes this morning about the comprehensive picture of baptism. You know, baptism is something that uh, has been around from the very beginning of the Christian faith. In fact, uh, John the Baptist came baptizing, and Jesus came down to be baptized by John there in the Jordan River. And uh, when John tried to prevent it and said, you know, no, I, I, I don't need to baptize you, Jesus said, no, so that all righteousness can be fulfilled, you need to baptize me. Uh, allow me to be baptized. So there is something about baptism that is a picture of just complete obedience, total acceptance of what God has said and done. And then, of course, uh, when Jesus gave his great commission, he told us to go into all the world and to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So baptism was important. It was important to Jesus to be baptized. It was important for Jesus to tell us and his disciples all through the ages to baptize. But here's an amazing thing. Anytime we do something several times, we begin to lose kind of the meaning of it. You know that's true in almost everything. And baptism and the Lord's Supper, the two ordinances that God gave to the church, because they are repeated often and because we see them often and because we hear about them often, we almost take for granted that it's almost just like a, a ceremony or a ritual or something like that. And when that happens, we run the risk of losing the meaning of it, the message of it. And so I want to think for just a few minutes about the, this comprehensive picture of what baptism is. And uh, you've seen it here this morning, and Oscar has experienced it here this morning. But let me just say that I, three things I want to say, maybe six, but three for sure, that I want to say about baptism. There are three big words that we use theologically that are very important to us as Christians. One of them is justification, justification. Another one is sanctification, and the third one is glorification. Those are some cations that we, uh, that we don't use very much in everyday conversation, and yet biblically they're at the heart of what the gospel is all about. Justification is how a, a holy God can somehow or another receive sinful people into his presence and into his heaven to live with him forever and can actually make them his child, make them his, his own son or daughter. And so how, how, does that, how does that happen? You know, there are a lot of people who think, well, uh, if I try hard enough to live a good life, if I go to church regularly, if I give some money regularly, if, if I really try hard, maybe... Uh, God will will accept me when I get to heaven. Well, that's just hopeless, folks. 
That's absolutely hopeless. There is no way that you on the very best hour of your life could hope to stand before God and be accepted based on your performance and your goodness. Because the Bible teaches that we're, just, we're stained with sin. We come into this world with a, with a stain of sin on us. And everything we do because of that is corrupted. And God does not look at our good works and see them as good works. Now, men may do that, but God looks at them and he says, no, they're, they're sin. The Bible says even the plowing of the wicked is sin. And everything we touch with corrupt hands, with sinful hands, just uh, spreads that corruption more and more. I remember when I was pastoring up here at Daniel Dale, we had one of those old mimeograph machines. You kids don't have any idea what that is, but some of the older ones are nodding their head. You actually had to take a brush with some and dip it in ink and reach in there and paint the ink cylinder, and then you ran the stencil through it, and it would print. So we printed our bulletins. I remember one Sunday morning, got into church uh, kind of early. I was going to print the bulletins. Brother Clarence Hill usually did that, but he was sick that week, and so I told him, well, I'll go print the bulletins. I didn't usually do that. And I was painting up the thing, and I got ink on my on my hands. And, uh, and then as I began to spin that thing, a little bit of the ink, I guess I'd over-inked it. Some of it spread, splattered out and got right on my white shirt. And I looked down, and I saw that. And so to try to get that ink off my shirt, I took my inky hands and began to rub it. So you can imagine, I just ended up smearing my shirt with ink. And uh, I thought as I was doing that, I thought, you know, the Bible tells us that our hands are stained with sin. And we can never clean up our own life. The more we try to clean it up, it's just like the messier it gets in God's sight for sure. And uh, so the real question, how in the world can a, a sinful person ever be seen as right in God's sight. How can he be seen as, as one who has righteousness upon him? Because that's what's required to get into the presence of God is righteousness. And I don't have any righteousness. And you don't have any righteousness. So the gospel message is that God sent his son, that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth to live among us and to obey every law perfectly fully, to live a life of perfect righteousness. And then because the wages of sin is death, he willingly, voluntarily went to the cross, died for no sin of his own. And then he was buried and he rose again from the dead. And now the righteousness of Jesus can be actually counted, can actually be added to the ledger of your report, and you can say, by my death, I took away all your sin. 
But did you know that if you had no sin at all and you were just innocent, you still couldn't go to heaven? Because it is not innocence that gets you into heaven. It is righteousness. How do I get righteousness? I can't manufacture it, no. But I can receive it. And those who have trusted in Jesus have been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I want to read a passage to you out of Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be slaves to sin. By the way, that's what you and I were before we were saved. We were slaves to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Now, if we died... With Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer rules over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign, rule, be in charge in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. We'll stop right there. Baptism, which you've observed here this morning, is a picture of the death of Jesus And the burial of Jesus, when Oscar went back under the water a few minutes ago and the water covered over his face, it was a picture of him being buried. And then when I lifted him up out of the water and the water fell back off of him, it was a picture of being raised from the dead. Now, what he was demonstrating in that was not just a church ritual. But it was a divine encounter, a divine uh, uh, transaction in which Christ died for sin and was buried and he rose again. And it is by that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that we are justified before God. So I could stand before God right now. And you could stand before God right now. And God looks it into your life. He's looking for one thing. He's looking for perfect righteousness. That's what will get you into heaven. 
is perfect righteousness. Some people say, well, that's a little scary because I know I'm not perfect. No, but have you put your trust in one who is perfect? Have you received by grace through faith the imputed righteousness of Jesus on your account? If you have, then that's what God sees when he looks at you. He does not see your sin because that sin was placed on Christ. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us in order that we might be made the righteousness of God, which is in Christ. So my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So that's what baptism is a picture of. That's justification. Baptism is a picture of justification. But it's also a picture of sanctification. Now, what is sanctification? The Bible declares that we've been made holy. We've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. But even as a Christian, do you ever realize that there's something inside of you that seems to fight against what you want to be and ought to be. and You know, when I got saved, I remember telling my mother, I was just 17 years old, and I was so happy, I was so thrilled, and I said, Mother, I don't think I'll ever sin again. <laughs> and she said, well, that's great news, son. <laughs> And she said, I don't want to discourage you, but, but you might. And I said, why would I ever sin again? Why? I said, because I love Jesus so much. Why would I ever do anything that would disobey him? And she just kind of smiled. It wasn't even a happy smile. It was kind of a sad smile, kind of like I feel sorry for my poor son's smile. And... uh I don't know, I, I really think I went four or five days without consciously sinning. I probably did sin, but I wasn't conscious of it. But then I did sin. And for these 57 years now, I have fought something inside of me that wants to sin. But then there is something in me that, Hates sin. So how in the world do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that struggle that's set up that at one point wants to be humble and quiet, but at another point wants to be prideful? At one point wants to love God and, and obey him, but at another point wants to be slothful and lazy and do things my own way. Do you know that baptism is a picture of the means by which we're sanctified. It is by the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus that we are sanctified. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. And it's no longer 
I, that is selfish I, corrupt I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So how do I overcome sin? That's the real question. How do, how do I say no to sin? How do, I, how do I live a life that is obedient to God? And it is by the cross. It is not by my best effort. The Galatian Christians, they had this idea that they had trusted Jesus for justification, but now they had to sanctify their own life. And the Apostle Paul said, no, 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 no. The same kind of faith that brought you to Christ keeps you in Christ and works its way through your life through Christ. So baptism is a picture of that daily dying to self. Now, I don't ever have to, I don't ever crucify myself. I hear people say, well, I just need to crucify myself. You, you can't really crucify self. If you just think about it logically, you might be able to drive one nail in, but you'd have to have some help with the other hand, wouldn't you? No, the Bible doesn't tell us to crucify self. The Bible tells us we have been crucified with Christ. That's already been done. I appropriate it. I accept it. I, I live in it. I participate. I enjoy it. I reckon it so. I count myself indeed dead unto sin. And that's what baptism is a picture of. Again, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, not only for our justification, but also for our sanctification. And then finally, glorification is when we have not even a sliver of self and sin and flesh left in us. When we see him as he is and we are made like him, Totally and fully. Someday all of us will will die. And for many of us, that's a fearful thing. For many people, that's a fearful thing. But for the Christian, death is that moment like when a butterfly emerges from a cocoon and is suddenly fully free. In this life, while we live in this life, we will live in continual struggle. We will live in a continual tension. But there will be a day when we lay aside this body of clay and we go to meet him. But God's not even finished with this body. When I die, my body will be taken out here to Shiloh Cemetery in Ovilla, and they'll put me in a casket and put me in the ground. And people will say, well, poor old Brother Nick, you know, whatever. They may say other things too, but 
he'll say, well, I guess that's, that's the end for him. And if I could speak out of that casket, I'd be shouting and saying, oh, no, this is the beginning. This is the best part. I am now enjoying what I was redeemed for. Together around the throne of God in heaven in a glorified body and be able to praise him who bought me with his own blood. But then there's coming a day when even that body will be raised up out of the grave and reunited with my glorified spirit and my body, this physical body, which now is full of corruption and frailty, will be perfected like his perfect body after he was resurrected. And in that new body, I'll live with Christ forever. And baptism is a picture of someone being buried and being raised again. And that will happen to me and to you. So baptism is a beautiful, comprehensive picture. And uh, it never becomes old to me. I'd love to baptize 10 people every Sunday. But if I did, I think I would be just as amazed, just as wonderstruck at the 10,000th baptism as I was at the first. Because every baptism pictures Christ, our righteousness, justification. Christ, our strength, our victory, sanctification. And Christ, our eternal hope, glorification. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wide, beautiful picture of baptism. How it speaks to my heart day after day, time after time, as a reminder of your great grace and your great love for us. And I pray for those who are here today, Lord, that may not have ever entered into that personal relationship with Jesus. I pray that they would say, wow, if, if Jesus loved me that much to take my sin and to give me his righteousness, then I welcome him, I receive him. And then I pray for those of us who still struggle, those who live in the tension, that we might not strive, but we might trust. And let the same grace that justified us be the grace that sanctifies us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.